what is a small incremental achievable thing that you can do? What's realistic? And then what is something concrete? Maybe you need to write it down. Maybe you need to tell someone else what it is and they can help remind you of what, what that is. Just getting a small incremental step in that direction. And if you do find yourself down, because there are those moments, you know, I think something that defines us is how we react to those moments. And if you're feeling down, pick yourself back up, you know, start making those steps again. Hello, it's Marcy Bullock with season two of your favorite career readiness podcast. Learn tips on personal and professional development, hear inspiring stories of overcoming obstacles. I devote my life to helping other people figure out what to devote theirs to. This is Marcy Bullock with the most important five Ps. Stay present, trust the process, explore your path, release the pressure valve, and unleash your potential. Hello, this is Marcy Bullock. Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats. Today, I'm so excited that an old friend has crossed my path after about 10 years that I get to interview today. Welcome, Chad Jordan. Thank you, Marcy. I'm glad to speak with you today. Yeah, it was fun. We ran into each other at Witherspoon Cinema, both teaching back to back. And uh, we've known each other since the 90s. We'll date ourselves. But I didn't recognize you, not only because we were both wearing a mask and we're recording this, you know, in February 2021 during a pandemic, but um, you changed a lot since I saw you the last time. And I wondered if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your journey and what has transformed for you. Sure. So about 2018, uh, I weighed in excess of 300 pounds, um, which for my um, height and uh, body type was definitely too much. Uh, and the, the transformation really is, um, yeah, reduction in weight, uh, probably uh, by about 140 pounds, um, where I'm now at a healthy weight um, for my uh, body type and height, um, and where I am in the stage in my life. And uh, that is really the transformation that's happened. It's been that's, a very gradual process. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a whole nother person that you shed from your body, 140 pounds. And like I said, when I ran into you, um, my my jaw kind of dropped. Although I know we're not supposed to like comment on how people look in their bodies, but that was pretty drastic. And you know, you have your career here at NC State, as I should mention at the beginning, alumni distinguished undergraduate professor. You have your PhD in botany from NC State, and you've been a distinguished award winner for advising. So you're constantly on the go interacting with students. You've had such a successful career path, but it sounds like on the personal side, you've had some struggles. Tell us about that. Well, I, I have probably always struggled with um, my body weight, uh, and I, I think it's probably partially genetic, um, if, if I'm being honest about it, but also just where uh, my priorities lie with my own health. So, you know, as a, as a faculty member, my focus um, was on my work. Um, and I think the focus uh, was to some extent and, and still is trying to help take care of everyone else um, and to, 
you know, do the work that I set out to do when I was in graduate school, which was to be, become a professor, to work with students, um, teaching and advising. And, and I love doing that. Um, loved doing that. And I still love doing that. Uh, and, but I never really, I think, took the time to care for myself. Um, and there are a few events that happened that made me think you've really got to pay attention to your own health. Um, and some of that is um, family illness that, that that took place around that time I mentioned. Um, and, and some of it came down to outright, you know, medical warning um, in some ways where um, and I'll, I'll, I'll share this story um, very briefly. I was at the dentist of all places. Uh, and uh, so not my general physician um, who had you know, talked with me about my weight and, uh, and, and I clearly understood that there was an issue, um, but I, the focus was just not there for me. But I was sitting at the dentist and they put a blood pressure cuff on me that became standard practice for that office. Um, and the uh, technician, or the person, or the hygienist rather, who was uh, going to clean my teeth, um, did this blood pressure check, check right at the beginning, and she disappeared from the room. Uh, and and then the dentist came in and said, um, you know, your blood pressure is inordinately high, like extraordinarily high. And I had not had my blood pressure checked for a while, um, and. The hygienist said, the reason I went and got the dentist is I don't know if we can even clean your teeth today because it may be, uh, you know, your blood pressure is really high. We did go through with it after me reassuring them that I would be fine. But that sent a warning flag up in my mind that said, you know, if you can't even have, you know, routine health care done, um, you know, to, to really um, take care of yourself, then there are bigger issues here. Um, and that was sort of a turning point for me. I know it may seem rather minor, but it was an event that happened along with those other um, events I was describing with family health um, before. Um, and, but that was really sort of the switch that said, okay, um, I need to take charge of, of this and get the situation under control. Um, and, that is when I made a decision. And within a couple of weeks, I started to make changes, um, which were gradual, um, but that resulted in kind of a longer term transformation, we'll call it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, sometimes we hear about like the rock bottom moment for people where it just like all of a sudden, like you said, a turning point happens and you say, okay, I have to make a change. Had you ever tried before and thought, oh, I want to lose weight and, and gave up on it? It was, a, it's really been sort of a seesaw, um, what I, you know, from my teenage years. And then when I was in university, uh, and then in graduate school, uh, I had sort of a aha moment, you know, then, but the way I uh, sort of dealt with that was throwing myself into my research and not thinking about, you know, eating. And I was thinking about teaching more. And I was like, I don't really have time to, you know, <laughs> do a whole lot. I'm just going to focus on my research. And I started exercising um, a lot as a graduate, as a graduate student. And I dropped a significant amount of weight then, but then as graduate school progressed and I moved into a faculty role, 
that took a back seat. Um, and I was, again, I just threw myself more into my um, work and the focus was, was there. Right. My own. Yeah. So a little, a little seesawing. And I know just even when I was looking at the obesity statistics, you know, in our country, it's like 70 million people are obese, which is like 30 to 40%. It's a lot of people who have gone on that same seesaw and been like, I lost weight, I gained weight. And that seems to be a cycle that a lot of people um, have gone through. So what changed this time um, in your motivation? You take us back to 2018 and what just triggered in your mind and what behavioral changes you made in your lifestyle? Yeah, so I uh, decided, I think at that point, when I sort of had that turning point or aha moment, what is going to work for me in the long run? Um, Because I was keenly aware of the fact that I had lost weight before and then it just gradually returned. What can I do now to really sustain, you know, maintain, to number one, lose weight, and then to sustain that healthy weight um, for, the, for the longer duration. I know based on family history that down the line, as I get a little bit, you know, as I accumulate age, that there may be other health issues that may come up that will only be exacerbated by carrying additional body weight. And so for me, it was a, you know, it's a matter of longevity. Um, I think when I was in my 20s, I thought, well, I can, you know, gain some extra weight and that'll be fine. I'll just lose it later. But, you know, over time, that becomes more and more difficult um, to do. And I thought, what can I do to really sustain myself, you know, at a healthy weight for pretty much the rest of my life? Um, So for me, this is a long term picture. um, I want to say endeavor, but at least way of being. Um, that I decided to commit to. Uh, and so for me, it's not about, I don't, in, in my mind, I, as I discussed it with my family, um, I think one of the words I even said to my own mom was I said, I'm not letting this happen again. It's just not going to happen. Um, and I made a firm decision um, and I'm sticking with that decision um, that I do not want that to be the reason that I, you know, maybe suffer health issues later on in my life. So I'm, I'm head, I just, Marcy, I decided to sort of, what can I do to head it off at the pass? Um, we can, so it doesn't become a complicating factor later on. So I want to make sure that I'm the best I can be um, and that I can continue to have a career where I'm interacting with students. Um, and, and quite frankly, if I'm being totally honest, um, it's, I don't want to tell students our wellness is really important our, you know, our own health and personal wellness. And here I am sitting on the other side of the office, not really embodying that. Um, how can I tell that, you know, to any student, whether no matter what their health status is, and me sit there and, you know, not be what, you know, we're, we're you know, I want to advise them, you know, to, to be healthy, um, where I myself am not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and I interact with students all the time and we um, we want to be that great role model, but we also are human and we have had our own conflicts and struggles and just, um, you know, issues psychologically around food, around control. What was the big one for you that you think, I know you said earlier, you know, you just weren't taking care of yourself, which that's so common with students. It's like, I, I just, I'm giving, giving to other people. I've got to study. I've got to get these grades. 
going back to where your um, your problem started, wh- where would you say you could identify your relationship to food and how, was it a control thing or something else? Well, I think uh, well, it's, it's probably uh, several things together. So um, I will have to say, I come from a family that really loves cooking. Um, and I'm very appreciative of that. And we all love to be very creative and and uh, that's one outlet, I suppose, of uh, expression, but also of care, right? You know, I think we um, prepare food and you know bring it to others. Maybe not right now. We're not doing a lot of that, but we, you know, there's so much um, focus around food um, and it being something of comfort and of um, welcoming, and um, it's something that I, I think everyone. It's like in a, you know, when, if you have people together, you eat. I mean, that's what you do. And I think that's wonderful. Um, and I grew up in that um, for sure. Um, and I, I do think for me, um, with all of the, the chaos and uncertainty of what can go on day to day, food is one of the things I did have control over. I could um, feel better about myself if I knew, all right, all right I'm going to get it to the end of the day and I'm going to go home and I'm going to fix this great meal and I'm just going to consume, you know, all of it. Um, and I would do that. Uh, and I can still do things like that, but just in a more, uh, I suppose, balanced way. So yeah, I think it was about, you know, feeling an element of control, but also the comfort that comes from that background of knowing that food is something that I associate with being uh, really central to being welcoming and having others over to eat or preparing food for someone else. It, I think it's sort of a combination of those things. Yeah, I can relate. I, so my, my family upbringing, um, my whole family was obese. Um, however, I didn't have the same genetics because I was adopted and I was always very conscious of the fact that um, my body looked different than my mom, my dad, and my sisters. But we, oh, everything was centered around food, always, always. And it was like, we're going to have a huge steak and baked potato with butter. And, you know, I mean, it was like, you know, decades ago before we knew a lot of things that we know now about food. And so that's, um, yeah, food should still be joyful. And I'm sure it is for you. Um, But there's these fads we hear about. We hear about, you know, try this, try keto, try that. What? You're a scientist, clearly, and now you have have made an experiment on your own body. So, what did you decide to do, and 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 tell us the details of what your regime is now? Sure. So, I'm and I'm happy to share this. And I, when I say, well, before I share this, I'd like to say I think everything should be uh, done. Whatever a person's individual medical situation is, they always want to consult with their physician. Um, and, you know, for medical professionals who can give them best advice on their specific health, I think that's really important. Um, and that, to an extent, is what I did. Um, I knew about the about exercise being very important to, you know, calories um, out, um, as we might say, but also looking at the calories that go in and the quality of those calories. Um, so it was about calorie reduction. That was for the weight loss um, component. Um, I suppose, an increasing exercise. But I uh, sought medical advice um, about what I should do. Of course, calorie reduction along with and a balanced diet along with exercise is, is recommended. Uh, but then I had to decide on what sort of eating pattern would work for me. Uh, part of my 
um, part of my eating patterns have to do with my own schedule. Um, so as it turns out, um, I've never really been a big breakfast eater. <laughs> I just don't. I know that's probably counter to all the advice that's given, but I just, I, it's never been something since I became an adult. It's not something that I really have gravitated toward. And I, well, actually I teach many days in the fall and spring around the lunch hour, or I have meetings around the lunch hour, lunchtime. Um, and when I teach, I cannot eat beforehand because I feel, feel not so well when I'm trying to lecture and I'm processing food. I, I don't know what it is about that, but I just feel, don't feel well. Um, and then in meetings, you know, I want to be in the meeting. I don't want to try to be eating and, you know, eating in a meeting at the same time. Um, and so I thought to myself, and so I, the thing I did um, was I started doing research. So I'm a scientist. I'm going to look to the literature. I'm going to, you know, find out the most information I can. And through, of course, I came across so many different um, iterations. And I, have, I had seen that before. I was, on, I was on a particular weight loss program as a child that worked um, for me, but I knew as an adult that probably wasn't going to work for me um, again in the way that I, the pattern in which I, which I probably needed to eat, which is later in the day. So I ultimately found um, intermittent fasting. That is what ultimately surfaced for me as uh, being something that would work with my schedule and something that would also, in some interesting way, be almost like a reward center for me in some way. In some ways, and I did that for a couple of months. That's interesting. So you, like you, you'd been on diets as a kid, and you know, then you kind of went into exercise. Didn't have time for exercise. Now you researched it, and you realize, okay, so obviously caloric restriction combined with movement is a great thing. Um, and when you eat in a smaller window, you eat less calories, most likely, right? And you're being really intentional about what you're eating during that time. And then what is your movement regime? Have you added that in too? I have. So um, I, I used to run when I was in graduate school. I had a friend who really got me into running. Um, I figured out pretty quickly. And now about 20-ish years later, that really isn't sustainable on my joints anymore. Um, so I've transitioned over to rowing. Um, and so I have an erg machine um, at home um, and I row four to five days per week. Um, and I love that as a form of exercise, especially now given our um, current situation, it, it tends to work out quite well. And that's really a full body, um, you know, exercise. So, and I, I, and I was uh, going to try to, um, get more sort of phase two of this was going to be more to get back into the gym and do more uh, weight training um, to go along with that. That's been curtailed a bit right now, but I'm looking forward to the time when I can get back to doing that. Excellent. Yeah, it's nice to have some things at home now when um, we're not able to gather and do group fitness together. And I think, like you said, find something you really enjoy doing that's moving your body and that's part of your lifestyle and part of your habit. And then you kind of aren't in that yo-yo kind of dieting thing. So do you get hungry on those other hours or is your body just like used to this now? That's such a great question. Um, and I've been asked that before. And 
at first, uh, it was very tempting. Even the smell of certain foods would really set me into hunger mode pretty quickly. Now, over, you know, now we're going on close to three years or, you know, two years in this current, the pattern that I have now. Um, it's really doesn't, really doesn't bother, really don't get that hungry. Um, so really the, the smell of certain foods still uh, makes me hungry to an extent. So even that those sort of um, olfactory cues can have an impact, but I've, they really don't impact me that much. So I really don't get all that hungry. Um, I will say I do permit myself um, maybe a couple of times a month or maybe, maybe not even that frequently, but maybe once per month. And certainly at holidays where there are gatherings, not everyone's going to eat on my schedule. And I understand that. Um, and there will be situations where I need to eat out of time. Do I do that and make an exception? Of course I do. That next day at that same time, I get hungry again uh, because I've now put my body into an alternate pattern, at least, or not even a pattern, but given it sort of an alternate um, you know, source of calories at a different time of the day. Uh, but I'm quickly back to, you know, the eating pattern the next day and then the days that follow. It's, it has become easier and easier to overcome as time goes on, um, feeling hungry. Yeah. And I'm glad you, you give yourself those. I, I don't even like to say cheat because cheat sounds like a bad word. It's more like I'm giving myself this ability to spend Thanksgiving with people I love and enjoy delicious foods. And then, you know, it's, it's the fasting is interesting to me because I've, um, I've read about it. And even if you think about just humans, we used to be hunter gatherers, right? Where we would go long period of times without food. Um, so it's not really meant to be like eating all day long. And then, you know, we'll hear, oh, breakfast, most important of the day, meal of the day, you've got to have it. And then it's like, oh, no, you don't need breakfast. So I like what you said, Chad, about talk to your doctor, talk to your medical profession, you know, professional, just to make sure that what you're endeavoring on, you don't want to start this thing where you're eating hours a no. day, obviously. It just no. took you a long time to get to. Um, but I want to dive into a little bit about, you know, just how you stay motivated because let's just say it's a regular Wednesday. It's gloomy out. It's February. There's a pandemic. It's been, you know, 11 months since we've gathered. It's hard. People get down and depressed and food, like you said, can comfort us. How do you dig deep and stay to your goals on those days? That's a great question, especially now that we're, you know, we are in these winter months um, presently and it can be so easy to, I think, um, go down to the kitchen or wherever and just start, um, you know, snacking on things, um, which I have done before. Um, but in large part, I, I think back to where I was before, honestly, when I have those times, I think back to where I was before. I don't go hop on the scale to make sure I'm, you know, where I need to be all the time. Uh, but I, I remind myself where I was before and I have, reminders in the forms of photographs and just thinking you, the thing I, I say to myself now is you are being your best self, continue to be your best self um, in the, you know, in terms of your eating habits. So motivation, you know, I, or I say, you know what, I'm just going to get on the erg machine and just row for a bit. And that usually resets me pretty quickly if I'm having those doubts. 
Um, I will have to say through exercise, you get those endorphins going and it makes you feel like, yeah, we're, you know, you're doing something very positive. So I have had those moments of self-doubt um, and trying to find motivation. I thought I should just go eat all the chips I want, what have you. Um, and, but I, again, I think about my, about myself. I like that you do that positive self-talk in there, how that, that just really motivates you. And, you know, we've had a couple of, um, nutrition experts on our podcast, like in, in episode 12, we had, um, Autumn Asai talk about, can you eat cookout tips for the Wolfpack student? And she had some fantastic tips. Um, so I encourage our listeners to check that one out too. Um, and then episode 24 was Madeline Lee, one of our alums who talked about, um, you know, when you look good, you feel good and the body empowerment secret. So it's really great to get lots of different perspectives. And as we, um, as we think about kind of where you are now, how did, how are you different? Like, how do you, how do you feel? What is your life like? What is your whole aura like compared to when you were 300 pounds? I definitely have more of a positive outlook. That is for sure. Um, I, I really, I feel less like I'm carrying the weight of the world literally um, on myself. Um, and a, a real turning point for me came when I was going out to our labs, which were two flights of stairs up before I would be out of breath by the first um, set. Now I can bound right up those stairs. I would want to take the elevator every time. And now I rarely would ever do that. Um, and so I, I have these, I have moments where I even reaching the top of a set of stairs. I'm like, it's magic. I can do this now without not feeling overcome by, you know, <laughs> like I'm out of breath and I can't, I you know, have to stop for just a minute especially if I'm talking with someone, right? And they're, I'm obviously struggling and now that's, that's not happening. Um, and so I think for me, it's just a more positive, I can't positive outlook. I can, uh, something I didn't talk about before was um, clothes. I got to the point where I was not, I could, I was running out of sizes to fit into all the clothes that I like to wear. Um, and now my options are, more fully expanded. Not that I'm a fashion person at all or <laughs> anything like that by a long stretch. Um, I think you asked some of my students who say, Dr. Jordan has on his plaid shirt and his cardigan or his Henley sweater and his khaki pants. Like that's how I am. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I, I feel better in that way about how I look on the outside. Has it changed the way I teach? No, I'm, I'm the same person I was before. It's just that now I feel, I feel even more confident in myself and when I go out and talk with not just our students, but with, um, but if we're doing any sort of outreach, which is not really happening right now, but when it happened before um, the pandemic, um, you know, I felt better about representing myself and representing um, our program and I just felt better in general. Yeah, that confidence is fantastic. I think Whitney Houston said it best, learning to love yourself is the greatest <laughs> love of all, right? Certainly. And so um, it sounds like that has been a big journey for you. So what advice would you give to someone listening today that's going through a struggle, that's that really wants to make a change and is, uh, is having a tough time? Well, I think know what you can do, um, what's, what's doable for yourself. Um, I think having realistic goals is something 
that is really important and know what you, what is something concrete and achievable that you can do. You do not have to move mountains. Um, certainly when I set up my own journey, I thought, okay, I'm gonna have these benchmarks. They're small benchmarks, but I have this long-term goal that I'm reaching for in terms of a, of a number. Uh, but whatever that struggle is, what is a small incremental achievable thing that you can do? What's realistic? And then what is something concrete? Maybe you need to write it down. Maybe you need to tell someone else what it is and they can help remind you of what, what that is. Just getting a small incremental step in that direction. And if you do find yourself down, because there are those moments, you know, I think something that defines us is how we react to those moments. And you're feeling down, pick yourself back up, you know, start making those steps again. Oh my goodness. That gives me chills. I feel so inspired. So we're at our last question, Chad. So we're now going to zoom into our time machine 20 years into the future. We're done with this pandemic. Thank goodness. (laughs) And we are in the year 2041. What advice would you give to yourself today? I think don't be so hard on yourself. Um, I think that's the first thing I would probably tell me now. Um, And don't sweat the small stuff. Even from the perspective I am now, if you were to ask me the question, you know, 20 years ago, I have learned that over time. And as, as I, again, accumulate age, I feel like it's truer and truer. Um, And to create, and the last thing I would say is to, uh, create or at least um, find a group of individuals who will be supportive of your journey, whatever that journey might be. Golden words, Dr. Jordan. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marcy, for having me.